Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, we are back. Hour number three here on uh, 610 KDAL in the afternoon here on a Monday. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're yes, we are back. Uh, whoa, 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 you know whoa! What did you just have delivered? Um, I had grapefruit delivered. <laughs> oh, grapefruit! Okay, real, real uh, Florida grown yeah. grapefruit. Yeah, by the way. and there is a difference. Right off the vine. Yeah, <laughs> just go back to the grapefruit tree. Well, actually, when we were on our way back from uh, Jacksonville yeah. over the weekend. Uh, we went by a, a town. Oh, I got to tell you this. What was the name of that town, Kathy, where we ran into the, oh, uh, the, Yeti? the Yeti? Yeah, Melrose. Melrose. There's a little town on the way to Jacksonville called Melrose, Florida. And we're, dri- <laughs> we're driving down the street. I swear to God, Kenny, it was the strangest thing. We're driving down the street in Melrose, and I look off to my right, and I said, Kath, look at that. Well, anyway, well, she looks over. We both look over. And here, walking down the sidewalk, just just walking along like a, like a Yeti, is a Yeti. A full-blown uh, Yeti. Sasquatch. Bigfoot. Sasquatch. Bigfoot. Whatever you want to call him. <laughs> okay. This guy had six-inch-long hair from head to toe. And he slumped over like a Yeti would be, kind of, you know, with long arms probably down to his knees. And he's just walking along, and every once in a while when he sees somebody on the sidewalk or sees somebody looking at him, he'll just kind of raise an arm, kind of wave at him. He wasn't carrying a sign promoting any restaurant or anything else. It was just he was walking around in 80-degree weather as a Yeti. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I dare him to come up here and do that. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. He'd get shot. Well, no, he'd freeze his gizzard if he had one. Uh, well, there, four too, below, yes. four below at the but, National Weather Service currently. This is the current uh, temperature, four below. West wind at 16. We have a wind chill in Duluth of minus 25er. Anyway, one of these towns, Kenny, as, as we were going through them, uh, advertised themselves as the citrus capital of Florida. Oh. And so we pulled over to one of the si- roadside stands and we bought a bag of grapefruits that they swear to God were growing right there off their trees. And we bought a bag of uh, uh, oranges um, that were so sweet and so good. And they said they, they were growing locally as well. So that's probably one of the big benefits of living where they grow. Well, I've told you my fruit. story before back in 1988 when a friend of mine, uh, he took his 1981 Buick Regal. And we drove to Key West from Duluth. <laughs> it, w- it was fun going down, you know, a lot of anticipation. The ride back was hellish. We got to Florida. <laughs> we got to Florida to St. Pete, and that's actually where we stopped for the first night. We were just exhausted. Got yeah. to St. Pete, got a motel room. We all shaved. We left Duluth with beards, and we got to St. Pete and shaved. So the because uh, you wanted to get a little sun on your face. Well, yeah. that and, and the maid, you know, probably thought that there were some bank robbers that stayed in that uh, <laughs> room overnight. But nonetheless, we uh, went to the grocery store before we started driving to Key West, and we thought we'd get a bag of oranges. Well, I'm in the back seat uh, as we're driving along, and I thought I'd have an orange, and I pull the orange, and I'm peeling. It. I'm like, "What's going on?" It was they were grapefruit, but they looked like oranges. 
Oh, really? They were good, but they just didn't peel well. Yeah. Do you know, and I, I had not known this until Saturday or Friday, whenever it was, but I'm at my, my friend's house from that I was serving the Marines with, Frank, and they have a tree in their backyard that I noticed was growing fruit. I said, well, Frank, you got an orange tree. He said, oh, no, Brad, we've got a, and a, he called, I, don't, I don't remember what he called it, but it grows lemons, oranges, and some other kind of fruit. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the tutti fruity tree. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's not what he called it. Tutti fruity. <laughs> but it, it's a hybrid, and I asked him, how in the world can it do that? He said, well, they've, somehow they've spliced them over the years. You can buy different trees now that grow different fruits. He said, usually what will happen is one year the oranges will come in, the next year the lemons will come in. Um, they don't always do them at exactly the same time. But evidently, they've now spliced and genetically changed the makeup of some of these trees where they grow more than just oranges. Okay. Anyway, I'll tell you what, I just ate my first bite of this grapefruit. This is really succulent grapefruit, too. Very sweet. Yeah. Well, that's good. So anyway, have you seen, have you been following what's going on with the migrant uh, population that has uh, been moved into New York and Chicago and some of these areas now? Well, I saw a video the other day, and they were walking out of the motel where they're staying, and they're dressed well. Uh, they've got cell phones, and then there's homeless yeah. people on the curb across the street from them that probably grew up in, in our in Native Americans. If you, I'm native yep. to this region. Oh yeah, yeah, and 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 they're, and they're having a hard time getting anything from the government. But uh, yeah, they, they had one uh, very expensive hotel that they moved them into. On just off of Broadway, evidently, I think the hotel was located right across the street from where they had a very popular uh, musical going on or uh, one of the big Broadway shows. Well, why are they doing that? Well, because they're providing them with housing and with shelter and they don't have they don't have uh, refugee centers or whatever. Brad, why not all homeless people then? Should a homeless person that's. Born in New York City, should they just go to the hotel and say, I'm a homeless man, I need a room? Well, yeah, that you would think that would happen. Even, uh, well, I, I don't want to make a big deal about it with veterans, but the one story I saw indicated showed how in this particular area of New York, they don't have a lot of housing for homeless veterans. And veterans are living on the streets that fought in Iraq and others that fought in the Vietnam War. They're living on the streets and these newly arrived refugees are being put up in hotels. Now, this morning I find this story, Kenny, on the in, on the internet uh, off of MSN, which is a fairly liberal news station. Dozens of migrants stood their ground outside the Watson Hotel in Hell's Kitchen Sunday. Now, Hell's Kitchen is a kind of a community in New York that's fairly expensive. Uh, they refused to leave for new shelter at the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal. Evidently, the state of New York or city of New York City has set up a uh, a shelter system at the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal. But these people like living in the Watson Hotel because it's comfortable. You know, it's got nice accommodations. Cops had mobilized around the hotel at around 10 p.m. as more than 50 migrants were standing outside with activists assisting with food and translations. At one point, a city bus arrived and a small number of migrants jumped on with the vast majority staying put on the front of the hotel at West 57th. 
Activists argued that the migrants were being forced out of the hotel. Police said the migrants dispersed shortly after. No arrests were made. A representative for Mayor Abrams or Adams' office said the city began shuttling single adult men from the Watson to the Brooklyn Center Terminal to transition the Watson Hotel to house migrant families. Police said the migrants dispersed shortly after. No arrests were made. Will, uh, William Miller, more than 4,200 asylum seekers, have arrived in New York City since last spring, and we continue to surpass our moral obligations as we provide asylum seekers with shelter, food, health care, education, and a host of other services, City Hall spokesperson said. Hundreds of migrants were forced to leave the Watson Hotel at 440 West 57th Street in Manhattan, which had been used as a shelter for them in the cold weather. William Miller, the New York City Police Director, said around 10.30 p.m. they had no reason to be there any longer. More than a dozen cops were stationed there for crowd control. Um, Mayor Eric Adams announced last week that they have set up a new center at the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal would be a uh, a new mega migrant shelter for all of as many as a thousand single men. It's the fifth humanitarian emergency response and relief center opened in the Big Apple since migrants began coming by the busloads last year. I mean, this is this is just beyond nuts. Uh, we we have because of Biden, we have opened the borders to anybody. Uh, people are sneaking in. People are uh, running away from the authorities so that they don't have to register. And wherever we're finding them, well, first of all, places like Texas were just getting overflown with them. Uh, Arizona, the same thing. Arizona now this morning. The Dem- the new Democratic governor of Arizona has decided they're going to start building fences again in Arizona. Said we we have to keep these people out. We can't continue to take the kind of numbers of migrants into the border that we're getting. Well, these people are coming out of third world countries where they don't have necessarily almost any social services at all, and they're finding out that they're. They're, they come in and they provide them with a nice bus shuttle service up to New York. They provide them staying in some of the finest three, four-star accommodations. Uh, they give them food. And then they find out that they don't have that kind of a taste for food. They don't like Subway sandwiches. They don't like uh, ham sandwiches. They'd rather take the coffee pots in the room and make beans and rice in them. So they're burning up the coffee pots on these skillets uh, by making uh, beans and rice in them. I mean, this is the kind of thing that we are starting to see in this country uh, because of this whole policy of open up and taking in Egypt. And, and I think what has happened here is the Biden administration somehow thought that they could use that open border system as a way to get people to to take the jobs that were going unfulfilled in this country. We could all of a sudden, we could keep the economy rolling. Biden's economy would look great because he was, because he could find people to fill the jobs. But what they have found in some cases is the migrants come in and they drive down the price, the wage level to an, to an unbelievably low figure 
because they will take almost any job for any price when for a period there in the last year, year and a half, we had actually had wages starting to creep up. Now they're being forced down by a glut of illegal immigrants that'll take any job for any amount of money. Anyway, we got to take our first break here of our number one. Um, we will be back shortly, folks. Your Twin Ports home for Twins baseball. In the corner. KDAL. KDAL time is 124. Temperature at the Army Corps of Engineer right down there by the area lift bridge is zero degrees. And Brad, Twins baseball, and I've got the schedule for Twins baseball. Yeah, we're going to have Twins baseball here on KDAL, and it's all going to start here on... Oh, I'm on the wrong one here. I've got more than one. Uh, Where did it go? Oh, Oh, well, okay, I'll find it. Not sure where it is right now. Uh, what's that guy's name? Bruce Siski? There it is. Okay. Uh, Monday, <laughs> Monday, February 27th, uh, we're going to be interrupted for the start of the season. Sound off will be on from 10 a.m. to noon. Now, this is just spring training, so Monday, February 27th, will be the first uh, Twins spring training game and interruption of sound off. Now, um, And I say I that saw... in, a, you know, a way that, you know, I'm not... It is what it is. Yeah. I mean, we well, have to I, have Twins I, baseball. I was under the impression I thought they were moving these games all on to our old station, but that's not S- going to happen. Some no. spring training games will. No, I think they're all going to be on uh, KDAL for the most part. There's going to be, yeah, we we're obligated to carry Twins baseball. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I what, knew they had had a contract. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, you know, we're obligated many, many to carry years. it. Uh, Monday, yeah. February 27th, first spring training game. Now I don't know if that's the first one or the first one that will interrupt. Sound off. I'll look into that. But I saw a little uh, saw a little blip this morning um, on uh, in the Minneapolis paper that catchers and pitchers are going to report here in Florida in two weeks. And yes, that's usually the start of the uh, Febu- start of the season down here. Yeah, February uh, is the start of. Uh, well, I hate to say spring training because it's not springtime yet, but uh, that's what they call it. No, but it will be down here. Oh and yeah, then, I know down there. The spring. Yeah, I mean that's a huge deal. A uh, huge deal down here. They've got very nice parks uh, built. I would say they're more along a, like a college baseball stadium. They're, they they won't hold the same numbers as the stadiums up north, but uh, the the places do a fantastic big economic uh, boon to the communities sure. where they're located. And I know that I saw a piece not too long ago where a lot of these communities down. In the close proximity to where they had the hurricane this last spring, have had a heck of a time getting a lot of uh, updates in the construction industry, getting a lot of the stadiums back up to where they were before. They had a lot of wind damage, uh, towers were knocked down, uh, all kinds of uh, problems. But they've uh, done a yeoman job, evidently, getting most of these places back up. And I think, uh, uh, what, the Twins are located in Fort Myer, I believe. Isn't that right? I think they are. I do believe they are. And I think the thing I saw the other night said that Fort Myers is almost 100% back to its normal condition for games. Well, it's exciting. You know, Major League Baseball is... uh, Right around the corner. Now, tonight on KDAL, Monday the 30th, we've got Timberwolves basketball versus Sacramento, 6.30 tip-off tonight. That might be the pregame, actually, 6.30 pregame tonight, uh, Timberwolves yeah. basketball. Timberwolves currently 27-25, so they are above 500. they They're in fifth place of the Western Conference. 
And you will not see any uh, any hockey games from the Wild this week uh, because this is, of course, uh, All-Star break week. Yeah. And, and and we have at least Krill on the All-Star team. Are there any other Wild that you're aware of? Um, on the All-Star team? Eh, yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, there were. I thought there were two others. Um, okay. But uh, nonetheless, so the Wild had a great shootout win against the Buffalo Sabres on Hockey oh. Day to wrap yeah. up that great Hockey Day. And uh, the Sabres, or rather the Wild beat the Sabres, uh, what was it, 3-2, to two, I think, in the three shootout? 3-2, to two, yeah. Oh, yes. that was awesome. And they scored all three goals in the shootout. Yes, they did. They had three shootout goals, and uh, Mark andre Fleury got the win. Uh, wild 3, Sabres 2 in the shootout. And the next did Wild... You happen, did you happen to see the Thursday game? Between the Wild and the Philadelphia Flyers? <laughs> no, we did not, because it was on one of those funky channels. It was on ESPN Plus. Yeah, we and don't. I happened yeah. to have that on my computer. Ooh, so Brad watched it. And I watched the game. I've never. I mean, we had two fisticuff brawls within about fifteen seconds of each other. Isn't that something? My goodness. Yeah, I saw some of the highlights. So the next Wild game will be Monday, February sixth, eight o'clock right. start from. Phoenix, Wild and Coyotes, Monday the 6th, here on KDAL. Right. But they now have, after losing three out of the four on the road, they won the two home games again, uh, Philadelphia and uh, and Buffalo. And so they now are in playoff contention again, I understand. So I'm, I'm still thinking that there's going to be a trade or two made here before the deadline, uh, but we'll see what happens. Anyway, what what a what a absolute! I mean, it was Kenny. It was a bare knuckle brawl like I've not seen, uh, and the the third one, the third fight, especially the guy from Philadelphia that fought. Uh, uh, oh, what's his name? I call him Moose because he's always in those ads as the Moose. Um, but he, I think he broke the guy's jaw. The guy, the guy from Philadelphia was sitting. That's in the what I heard. Penalty box. Yeah, uh, moving his jaw back and forth. Yep. Anyway, we. Uh, we're just about to that point. We have to take our CBS News break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about uh, a statement that Jim Jordan made over the weekend, which I think is very uh, straightforward and very uh, probably factual about what is happening uh, happening with police departments that are finding that they can't recruit enough police officers anymore um, because of, uh, well, I'll tell you why when we come back after the CBS News. But let's take that CBS break. See if we're there with CBS now, and uh, and then we'll come back. KDAL time is one thirty-five. I've got zero degrees at the Army Corps of Engineers down in the Canal Park area, and we're going to check one more. We're going to go to Superior, and I believe, yeah, Superior also zero on the air temp. West wind at 9 at the Bong Airport, 15 below on the wind chill. Now, Kenny, you were saying earlier, what is the high going to be today? Uh, we might be there, Brad. Uh, zero is the forecast <laughs> high for Superior, and they're currently at zero. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, folks, uh, we all know what happened over the weekend. We we saw probably, unfortunately, the video of the five black officers beating a black uh, um, driver of a car that evidently refused to do what they said. Uh, or whatever the reason was, it was a very graphic, very uh, it was a, it was a terrible video to watch. Um, but but you know this follows uh, things like we had happen in Minneapolis where we had the uh, 
the police officers that uh, beat up and ended up being responsible for the death there as well. Um, and this has happened around, and that these things have led, of course, to massive protests, to burning of cities, to angry mobs and everything else. And the other thing that has been happening is because there has been so much negativism brought on about police officers and about police uh, law enforcement and, you know, things like Elon Omar pushing uh, to disband the Minneapolis police and all those kinds of things. We find now, according to Jim Jordan anyway, and I have to believe that he's absolutely right spot on in this. He was on NBC's Meet the Press over Sunday and said, look, what's happening with the police departments right now throughout America is there's not enough good people that want to be cops because of the attacks that have been made on law enforcement. Well, on NBC's Meet the Press, the Ohio Republican condemned the death of Tyree Nichols in Minneapolis. But then when asked about federal police reform efforts, Jordan said it was best left at the state and local levels. In other words, don't don't try to come up with some national way to govern the police departments uh, when you're looking at the police departments like Memphis or anywhere else. Those departments have to be run on a local basis. Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio on Sunday said that there aren't enough good people seeking to become officers after there's been so much negativism due to defund the police or uh, blame smearing law enforcement officials all across, across the country. We do know that after uh, after the incident in Minneapolis, there was an entire, uh, there was a huge amount of Uh, People that left the police department, they retired early if they could. Uh, Some of them just plain left because they didn't want to be involved in the turmoil that uh, was taking place because of the defund the police department. We're not getting enough good people applying because of the disparagement of police officers. They don't want to, we don't get enough people applying, taking the test to enter the academy to to be an officer because they've been this defund the police concept uh, concept out there, he said on NBC News program on Sunday morning. There's been this attack on law enforcement, and and you're not getting the best of the best. Jordan spoke out against the uh, aforementioned officers, stating that they did not value life, but questioned whether any specific law that might have been put in place could have prevented this particular attack and subsequent death. Well, I don't know that there's any law that can stop that kind of evil that we saw. It's difficult to watch. These five individuals did not have any respect for life, and that didn't have as much to do with the police officers as it did with their morals and their character. When Jordan was asked if he he would vote to ban chokeholds, which was part of the George Floyd uh, Justice of Policing Act, he instead said that certain policies should be kept outside the preview of government intervention. If we can incentivize certain certain things, I think you want to keep this at the state and local level. And I happen to agree with him, but uh, I'll tell you what, I can certainly understand why they're having a hard time finding good quality candidates to enter the police academy. I mean, the pay is fairly good. The benefits are relatively decent. But there is so much stress put on an officer. Can you imagine doing your job and having somebody place a camera on you where everything you do and say is checked out on every level, on every day? I mean, it's got to be exceptionally uh, uh, 
you know, very difficult for people to operate under those kind of structures. Anyway, we're um, we're also finding that in the Twin Cities area, there is more and more crime and more and more violent crime, and and that's causing a problem as well, uh, especially for policing. So. You know what? It, you can't always blame everything on the uh, educational ability of the police officers or even how their training is. Sometimes it's a combination of the stress they're under, how many uh, how many violent criminals there are out there hunting these officers, and I mean really hunting them. So um, you gotta, and I'll give you some more on that uh, in a bit here, but. Uh, evidently, there's a kind of a special song that uh, we. Evidently, this day in history is a kind of a special day because of the music genre. And I'm not familiar yeah. with it, Kenny. You got to bring me up to date. What's What's the special day about I, today? Okay, I'm going to play a short song here, and I don't know how well this goes along with the anniversary today, Brad. It was 55 years ago. The Tet Offensive was uh, was was launched. January 30th, 1968, by forces of the Viet Cong and North Vietnamese People's Army of Vietnam against the forces of the South Vietnamese Army of the Republic of Vietnam. And, uh, of course, uh, the, uh, what was it, 216 U.S. Marines and soldiers had been killed during the fighting. In and around the city of Way. Yes, that was the bloodiest battle, I believe, in Vietnam. Well, what happened, Kenny, and just give you a brief short, because I, w- I was wounded on the 13th of January, 68. Uh, we stumbled into a North Vietnamese group that was moving in towards the Way area, and they were part of the unit that was eventually going to move on Way and take that over. But what happened during that period of time is that um, you had so many units coming down from the north the uh, United States had no idea that this whole uh, thing was going to happen on Tet. And what you had happen was you had Marine units that had been used to fighting small units out in the jungles. And all of a sudden, they were picked up, put on trucks, taken to one of the biggest metropolitan areas in in, uh, in Vietnam and said, okay, boys, here you go. Now you're going to be involved in door-to-door, building-to-building fighting in a major metropolitan city. And all of a sudden, they had to go from fighting in the jungles to fighting street-to-street, house-to-house. And it became a... Uh, just a massive effort uh, by the 5th Marines, well, mostly 5th and 9th Marines, I think, were the two major units that retook the city in a matter of a week and a half, two weeks. Uh, But, yeah, what do you you got for music from that era? All right, here we go. We had no cameras to shoot the landscape. We passed the
course, that is the music of Billy Joel, Goodnight Saigon. And just to set up the song, just to be fair, it's a song that was written by Billy Joel. It appeared on his 1982 album, The Nylon Curtain, about the Vietnam War. But it depicts the situation and attitude of United States Marines beginning with their military training on Paris Island and then into different aspects of Vietnam combat. And it really is about Marines in battling and bonding together, fighting their fears and trying to figure out how to survive. Well, and that was the, the whole outcome of uh, of our service there together was that the most important thing was having each other's back. And and that's why little trips like I made over the weekend to see my friend Frank Watayas are so important uh, because we served together uh, at Contien on May 8th of 67 uh, when we were overrun by two regiments of North Vietnamese troops. Uh, both of us or either one of us could be, could have been killed that night without any problem at all. Uh, Frank had both of his ears uh, uh, blasted unbelievably by a satchel charge that went off right in front of his uh, fighting position. And, you know, it was it was just like hell on earth, Brad. But that was the feeling that we yeah. had was we were there together. It was, yeah. The government wasn't going to save us. The only thing that was going to save us is if we had each other's back and if we could uh, if we could all do what we had to do and make it through. Do you still now, uh, later on in life here and from time to time, uh, nutmeg on your lap and you're gazing with your cigar in your mouth and thinking, how did I make it out of there alive? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All, and you and must many, appreciate many the fact that you do have this life that you survived and made it out. Well, there's a combination of things that happen, Kenny, and as long as we're going to talk real about it, I'll, I'll be very honest. There's there's two things that happen. Number one, yes, uh, w- w- when we came that close to death, we feel how fortunate we are to be alive. But then there's the other side of us that say, how did I, wh- why did I make it through? And my friend Frank didn't, or John didn't, or... You know, so many, that night at Contien, there were 350 of us, 350 Marines, two companies on a hill that were attacked by about 2,700 North Vietnamese. 44 of our men died. 44 guys that we had, uh, you know, shared food with and gone on patrols with and went through boot camp with and everything else. And that was a big part of the feeling the next morning was, wow, how did I make it out when the two guys in the bunker next to me got killed? And you carry that through your life, too, realizing that you got to raise a family. You got to have grandchildren. You got to have a job like I have and a a great career talking to you on the radio every day where a lot of our friends died when they were 18 and 19 years old. And I got to tell you, a lot. I read a piece the other day that was so graphic, uh, but it was so telling. It said, you know, I trained to do what I did in Vietnam, and I expected what happened there, and I expected the chance I could be wounded, but I never expected to be ignored or forgotten when I got back home. And that's what happened to a lot of the guys, and what was the early death for a lot of those guys was because they came back to a country that didn't appreciate them, and they just uh, they felt like they were forgotten. Anyway, we got to go to Minnesota News. We'll come back uh, shortly. 
KDAL time, 154, looking at some temperatures, still very chilly, 4 below in Cloquet right now. Uh, southwest wind at 8, 19 below on the wind chill. Eveleth, minus 4, west wind at 10, 21 on the wind chill. Solon Springs checks in 0, west wind at 7, 13 below on the wind chill. And Brad, the Dow is down 221 points. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the only good thing there, Kenny, is uh, I've lost some money uh, when I opened my first account for a long time, and that will probably help me with my taxes. <laughs> I guess that's the only good point that I can think of. Listen, we got NASCAR Nicole on the phone, and, and uh, Nicole, I, I have one question for you. After watching a lot of the uh, pictures coming across from Chris uh and his lady friend down there in Key West. Is he ever coming home, or is he just staying there? <laughs> <laughs> He's scheduled to be home, I believe, Wednesday. So. Oh, okay. Scheduled. That doesn't mean he's coming we home. Will... That's just when he's scheduled to be home. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the I would, the, the pictures, I'm sure you yeah. saw the pictures from last night of the sun oh, yeah. setting over the oh, Key Lord. West area. Just, yes. just, just beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't come, if I was there, I probably wouldn't come back either. So, <laughs> <laughs> Especially not with all the cold weather we're going to be getting up here. So, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So how is uh so how have things gone? I know that we were filling a lot of spots and people were calling in and, uh, and getting are. a lot of a lot of business set up for uh, for Chris when he did get back. A lot of work set up for him. Is yes. that still the case? Yes, and but we still do have several openings in mid February, uh, mid to late February. So the first that first week that he gets back, not not this week but next week is pretty full. But then after that, we still got some openings. So. Um, feel free to give us a call at 218-722-5809, and we'll get that all taken care of for you and get you set up. I just had I got an email this morning from a potential client and got them set up, so I don't know if they had heard heard on here or not or if they had just seen it on the website, but that's another okay. alternative is to go on our website as well. So Excellent. Yeah. So, and really, the early part of setting up a will can be handled by by you very easily because it's just kind of fact gathering, isn't it? Just kind of early uh, a gathering of the information that starts the process. Absolutely, I can give you. You can give me a call, and I can tell you what we need. Tell you how the process works. Answer basic questions, and get you on the calendar to see you know to meet with Chris. So, um, give us a call two one eight. 722-5809-218-722-5809, and we can get that process started for you. All right. Thank you, Nicole, and uh, we look forward to seeing if Chris comes back Wednesday. <laughs> Hopefully he'll be back soon. All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Well, Kenny, uh, we all know if we've been watching politics in Minnesota for years like I have and like you have, we know that Minnesota's already one of the highest tax states in the, uh, in the universe, in the, in the country. But there's proposals evidently out in this legislative session now, uh, even with a forecast budget surplus of $17.6 billion, Governor Walls, one, uh, one Minnesota budget, seeks to raise taxes again. One of these increases is 1.5% surcharge on capital gains and dividends of individuals, trusts, and real estate over 500000 So, of course, people are saying, or a lot of Democrats are saying, oh, this won't affect anybody, the poor. This won't affect them at all because it's only going to tax the rich more. Uh, Governor Walls estimates that this will generate about $661 million over the next two years. Uh, this is highly unlikely. 
what is a capital gain and how is it taxed? Well, that whole structure is what they're doing. Uh, so what? It's the rich. They're, it's the rich we're going after. Well, you know what could happen in Minnesota is the same thing that is already happening to New York, happening to California, happening to other high-tax states. People with money have mobility, and they can move very easily. Uh, you know, uh, perhaps they can, uh, but they might choose not to, might, might choose not to pay those taxes. They may choose instead to move to another state uh, that is less uh, heavy for taxes. So Minnesota better watch their peas a little bit, I think. Anyway, we'll be back at it tomorrow morning right here on 610 KDAL with the Tuesday edition of Sound Off. So stay tuned for that. Try to stay warm today, folks.